Hello and welcome to another episode of What's Normal with Gabriel Sanders. Hello, I'm Gabriel Sanders. And this episode is titled, or aptly titled, The New Normal. And in this episode, I talk with an old childhood friend, Dr. Scott Goldstein. He has a, about a dozen letters after his name. And he works at the Einstein Medical Center in Philly. So I want to get into the new normal. My new normal... My new normal began when I left New York. I work in New York. I work in the film and TV industry, talk about it all the time, and uh, I also live in Florida. So at the end of February, I came home to Florida, and it had to have been, what, 10 days into, into March when the shit hit the fan. The industry, the film and TV industry, shut down. And... My wife is a voice teacher, so she stopped teaching, and she and the two girls and I quarantined at home for it was about a month-ish, and uh, we did what we could. We did what we could. We kept the girls busy. Uh, there are teachers who would stream live classes, teachers that we didn't know, but we heard from word of mouth, and my wife heard from word of mouth on Facebook that we found. There was this great teacher, Miss Jamie, they're on, uh, on YouTube, and uh, we did what we could. You know, we went for a lot of bike rides, but, you know, it was pretty manic. It was pretty manic. And slowly, eventually, thankfully, uh, my kids were let back into, into their daycare. We're very fortunate that it's a private daycare, and there's only about five to six kids that go, and uh, we check their temperature every day, and we follow precautions with that. My wife has gone back to teaching. She teaches remotely and at home, and we talk about this on the show, we're following guidelines six feet apart. There's tape on the floor. Uh, people wear masks and face shields, and she wears a mask and a face shield, and there's plexiglass shields up, and that's her new normal. Uh, the industry has come back. It's slowly coming back. There's a lot of talk about that uh, in the Facebook groups that I'm in, a lot of contracts being passed around, a lot of updated contracts and guidelines and what to do in the industry. Think about in your own film and television, there's hundreds of people around rubbing shoulders and on, even on set you have the actors, camera operators, dolly grips, me, the boom operator. Now everything is being cut up into zones and there's face shields and masks and uh, the, the food, the food situation, how to get your food every day, because you, you know, you're fortunate enough to be on, be in the industry, you get catered food and such, and and such, and how's that going to be? And so that's, you know, it's not a buffet style anymore, but more importantly, it's all about the zoning and the safety of everyone and uh, testing every day. But I live in Florida, so Florida is a hot spot. I live in one of the 38 states that if you travel from the state, you have to quarantine for two weeks. Now, what I used to do, I used to travel one to three round trips a month to see my family. I would take weekends, extended weekends. I'd take a Monday off here, a Friday off there, come home for the holidays. I can't do this now. This is, this is what I can't do. I cannot just hop on over for 48 hours and see my family because then I'm stuck back into a two-week quarantine. So. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out my next step with that. Uh, I'm not going to go into a rabbit hole of a political rant, but I but I will say politics and society is partially to blame for COVID. The person in charge right now is to blame for the situation that we're in in America. America has the most deaths out of the fucking world, over 200 thousand deaths in a couple of months there's more than wars more than wars combined more than 9-11 over 200,000 deaths and yet people won't wear a mask people won't socially distance take precautions because even though it is a worldwide thing and our fellow citizens think it's a red state and a blue state personal rights issue or a bogus issue. It's not real. It's fake news. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm also not going to go into a rabbit hole or a wormhole of human rights issues as well. 
of the uh, the situation we're in with you know cops shooting innocent black people and the the marches and the protests we're having now that's a new normal or that's a continuing normal but there's just a lot of tension there's a lot of tension out there and hatred everything is coming up the surface do you know when you when you scratch a wound we're scratching a wound right now that's what i feel dr scott goldstein talks passionately about his perspective of the state of affairs as regards to medicine safety health insurance and of course going to restaurants which have changed and and getting your groceries that's changed we bring in we do shipped a little shout out to shipped we use shipped and um you know that's a little nutty you know we used to love going to supermarkets my girls love going to supermarkets but we can't do it you know we're trying to do as as the best we can with this whole situation Hindsight is 2020, but maybe because 2020 is one of the worst years ever in fucking history, maybe we should change that phrase. Me but it, will it be soon enough that the world will have that hindsight? Who will learn from it? Who will have the vision to say, "Oops, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I wasn't nice. Maybe what I did or said was stupid and wrong. Maybe I should have listened." to the experts or my parents or my teacher or someone wiser than me maybe an expert maybe i should have listened to science maybe i shouldn't have uh i don't know so many things this is a compilation that the washington post put out of the 13 times that our president said that the coronavirus would just go away There is video you can find it on YouTube here's the audio and it was published on April 30th. Now the virus that we're talking about having to do you know a lot of people think that goes away in April with the heat as the heat comes in. Uh, typically that will go away in April. I've spoken to uh, President Xi they're getting it more and more under control. So uh, I think that's a problem that's going to go away. But when you have 15 people and the 15 within a couple of days is going to be down to close to zero. Uh that's a pretty good job we've done. It's going to disappear one day it's like a miracle it will disappear yes. and from our shores we've you know it could get worse before it gets better it could maybe go away we'll see what happens. You have to be calm. It'll go away. It will go away just stay calm and we'll go away. We need a little separation until such time as this goes away. It's going to go away. It's going to go away. It will go away. You know it you know it is going away. and it will go away and we're going to have a great victory. Thank It's going you. to go away hopefully at the end of the month and if not it hopefully will be soon after that. But has so it is going thinking on this Kim, it is going away. I didn't say it they, April. I said it's going away and it is going away. You were saying things like I think it's a problem that's going to go away with the other days. It will go away. But I think what happens is it's going to go away. This is going to go away. It's going to go. It's going to leave. It's going to be gone. It's going to be eradicated. Uh and uh it might take longer it might be in smaller sections it it'll be it won't be what we had so what can we say to that it's just going to go away right over 200,000 deaths right now 202,000 so here's the thing we are all and can be each other's guru the guru brings light to where there is darkness a teacher is a guru someone who teaches you someone who points the way someone who guides you someone who brings you new information that you accept to help you better yourself that's a guru there are gurus there are many many gurus out there and the teachers out there my sisters and our teacher bless them for for dealing with the situation teaching has always been uh an underpaid overwhelming job with not enough respect and not enough money provided them and now they're being forced to teach in the situation with still not enough support i feel and so there are gurus and there are those who just enjoy being in the darkness or being ignorant and full of hate Dr. Scott thinks the situation we're in with COVID will last another 4 to 5 years until there is a proven and successful vaccine. That's his opinion. 
that's his opinion. But I, I will hold his opinion with a lot of weight. So let's all settle in to this new normal. It was nice. It was nice to reunite with an old friend. I haven't seen him. We haven't seen each other in 25 years with 2020 vision. But I, I did leave some stuff on the cutting room floor because of my brain, which Scott calls our fat blob of electricity. Uh, my fat blob of electricity couldn't decipher dreams from reality or memory or has too good of a memory. And my also fat blob holds on to meaningless stuff. But I might bring up uh, what I cut out in another episode or a mini episode. We'll see. But it was a nice reunion. So please use some of your fat blob of electricity and enjoy this amazing eye-opening talk with Dr. Scott Goldstein of the Einstein Medical Center in Philly. Enjoy and thank you for listening. Scott Goldstein. Hey, Gabe. Hello, Dr. Scott Goldstein. How are you? Okay, good. Good to see you. You too. This is, um, this is a reunion. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I see on your walls so many framed accolades. Yeah, I stopped framing them after a while. I have more letters after my name than in them. I just stopped counting. How many letters do you have after your name? Uh, I can't do the math right now. No. <laughs> F-A-C-E-P-F-A-E-M-S-E-N-T. 12 to 14. Wow. That is amazing. So, hey, man, thank you for, for doing this. Of course. Have you listened to my show? Not yet. Okay. Things have been a little crazy in the medical world. Oh, you think so? <laughs> a, little, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit crazy. Well, that's one of the reasons why I, want, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on, on my show. Um, in my show, is what's, it's called What's Normal with Gabriel Sanders. So I'm talking about everyone's quote-unquote normal lives. And you work in emergency medicine. Right, or emergency, yeah. emergency medicine. Yeah, I work in an emergency room. You get sick, you get hurt, you go to an emergency room. I'll be the guy yeah. that sees you. Or disaster medicine, is that a better term? That's my subspecialty. So I, my full-time job is I work in emergency medicine in, one of the, in the busiest level one trauma center in Philadelphia. Um, that's my day-to-day -day job. My subspecialty is pre-hospital care, which is disaster medicine, um, I work on the federal DMAT team. Um, I do some police medicine on the side once in a while. Um, so doing pre-hospital care. Wow. And what's that hospital? Einstein Medical Center. Einstein Medical Center. So there's a lot of things to talk about, but let me, I just want to go into, uh, first of all, thanking you for, for doing this. And I'm sure you, re you just want to sleep right now. Yeah. <laughs> See, it gives me an hour away from the kids. It's fine. Right. Yeah. How, how old are your kids? I have no idea. <laughs> they're uh one just turned eight and the other one's almost five so uh eight and five it's tough yeah mine i have two girls um six and four 19 months apart yeah i got two girls too and uh there's a show the west wing i never watched it but there was a part of it where it kept bringing the president kept getting offered tea and the people would not let the president pay for his tea yeah the guy kept asking why what are you saying that they're not letting me he keeps saying, oh, you're father of daughters, like knowing how tough it is that mm -hmm. they're like, I'm going to take our tea. You know, we know mm -hmm. how tough it could be. Mm -hmm. So uh, <laughs> I, I understand that now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have, not only do I have two daughters, we also have, we have two cats and a dog. The dog is a, is a girl and, and uh, one of my cats is a boy. So I got, I got a boy. I have a, you know, I've, I've got a male in the house too. So we, we should have something manly, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we talk shop. You must see every day, or you must have the real information about what's been going on in, with this whole uh, crisis we're having. Uh, I wouldn't say I have the real information, but I think I have the frontline information that may or may not be expressed in the media due to people's political interests. Yeah. Um, and it depends on where you are in the country. Yeah. You know, if something is, is an issue or not. So, you know, I have friends that work two hours away in Hershey mm -hmm. and they see one case every couple of weeks. Oh, you know, me, I see three or four cases a day when I work right now, at least, um, in the heat of it, it was everyone, you know, and it's completely changed 
how my day is, you know, talking about the title, of, you know, what's normal. Well, you know, a year ago, normal for me is I put on a pair of pajamas, scrubs. I go to work with a cup of coffee. That's it. Mm-hmm. Now I put on a pair of scrubs. I put on a head covering. That's why I went through a little midlife crisis and I kind of gave myself a mohawk. Yeah, sure. Um, of course. Because uh, I wear a head covering at work now. So now yeah. I wear a head covering at work. I have to wear goggles. I wear a face mask. Yeah. Um, and after my shift, I change my clothes at work. Mm-hmm. And then I go home. So I can't bring coffee. I can't drink it there. So my what's normal has completely changed. So you can't even have coffee. You can't even carry around a travel mug of coffee around with you. No, they don't. It's, it's frowned upon to, because then you have to take your mask off. Right. You know, so you can't, you know, hydration honestly is an issue. You have to kind of run and get a quick drink. And, you know, so it used to be taking sips of coffee here and there, some water here and there, but now you can't do any of that. Yeah. Um, and it, it takes a toll after eight, 12 hour shift, you're physically and mentally exhausted. It used to just be mentally exhausted. Yeah. Now you're physically and mentally exhausted because you can't maintain your metabolism. Right. Or, or your liquids. I imagine, I'm, I'm sure shocked that no one invented something where it's like, remember the, the beer helmets? Yeah. You know, it's just have like a, a, like a runner's belt with water jugs with a tube to your mouth. So you don't have to take your mask off. You no, know, I, I make the joke that I, I'm going to wear a gas masks, which do have access for water things. Yeah. And they felt that that would scare the patients. Yeah. I said, yeah, but that compared to my face, I think it, it breaks even, yeah. <laughs> but they still would not allow me to wear that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, that's the new normal for me is I yeah. get in this full gear, this full get up for every interaction. Yeah. And now flu season's coming. It's, it's going to be ramped up some more. Yeah. Um, the normal is not normal anymore. You know, yeah. you know, I wash my clothes from work. Right when I get home, I get naked in my garage. Yeah. Usually related to work. Sometimes not. <laughs> but usually when I come home, I get undressed in my garage. Yeah. I put everything. I take a shower in a different bedroom, um, you know, and wow. try to be as clean as possible for when yeah. I interact with my family. Yeah. So when everything's just started to hit, was it just like it was a mass panic? Was it a mass panic in the hospital? It was more of a confusion of what's, what do we do? Right. What's the right thing to do? Because if you remember, when this first started, everyone's like, nah, you don't need masks. You're right. fine. Just wash right. your hands. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, they're like, yeah, we should be wearing masks. They're like, yeah. but, but for the last two weeks, I wasn't wearing a mask. They're like, yeah, you probably should have been. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, um, a lot of confusion, yeah. a lot of hoarding of stuff like face masks because you didn't want to run out, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you know, kind of like the toilet paper craze, except yeah. a little bit different. Um, but now things are, you know, the, it had all to do with supply chain stuff. Because yeah. it used to be 20 years ago, you buy for the month or whatever, but now they, everything's barcoded. They see something's used, they order it, it comes on a truck the next day. And that right. all got lost in the wind when everyone started using facial protection all at once. Right, right. Do you see any difference between your experiences at Einstein compared to what uh, the, the information that's getting out there? Do you see a disparity? Well, it depends on when you say information getting out there. It depends who's providing that information. So both sides I could find fault in, but the biggest yeah. fault I find is saying that everything is okay, everything is going to get better. Yeah. Um, I don't see it that way. Yeah. You know, I see to politicize medicine has caused a big problem for older patients. You know, somehow politicizing wearing a mask has somehow been normalized and that's killing old people. Yeah. Um, and then you see people that, you know, they, there's different ways to wear a mask. It turns out um, the forehead mask, the chin mask, yeah. the hanging on one loop on the ear mask. Yeah. The mouth covering, but not the nose covering. Right. Um, the uh, the eye coverings, like the the throat coverings, like. So I saw one where it was just a, it was just like a, it was kind of like a cupped over. It wasn't touching the skin, but it was kind of like it come came from underneath the chin, and it was kind of like a like a like a little guard, but it didn't it wasn't really covering. It was just a guard there, hovering in front of the mouth and nose. Right, doing nothing around the sides. Right. So it's stuff like that that. That just driving down the street just infuriates me. But also in today's society, there's no way I could say anything to anyone. Yeah. You know, my only reason to do it would be for safety reasons, uh, for them to be safe. 
Yeah. But the reality is, uh, I don't want to get shot. Yeah. I mean, who are you? You're just like, you know, uh, you have 20 letters after your name. You, you, know, you don't know what you're talking about, right? Well, right. I mean, that's the, that's the going theme in the news. And it's, it's a little sickening. Yeah. Um, so I'm just doing the best I can to protect me and my family. Right. That's what it all comes down to. Yeah. My ask, how's your family feel? Especially when this happened, how did your, your wife feel about you having to go back to work during this whole situation? You know, it's my job. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do it because I get a paycheck, but I also started it because uh, I enjoy helping people. So yeah. it was never really an issue. I, I never thought about quitting, but I'm trying to be as aggressively safe as possible. Yeah. You know, my wife is a nurse. She just became a nurse practitioner. So she understands the, the medical nuance of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we haven't let anyone in our house. We mm-hmm. haven't touched anyone that's not in our immediate family for the last six months. Yeah, which is a really a sad thing with, you know, grandparents. Well, you know, my parents are from Long Island and, you know, they have their thoughts on what they want. Yeah. You know, they say, hey, we haven't been anywhere. We want to come by and see the kids. And I'm like, well, but you have to understand, I'm a vector every day. Yeah. Every day I go to work, I have a new exposure. Right, right. And I'm worried about you guys because you're not 22 anymore. You're the ones that are going to die from this. Right. Alone in a hospital on a ventilator. Right. And they go, but we haven't been anywhere. All we've been to is out to eat and to the supermarket. I'm like, that's going out. (laughs) Right. So it's a weird... And your mom was a nurse. Your mom... uh, what was, the, what was the title of your mom? Because Yeah, she was a medical assistant. She worked medical in doctor's assistant. office. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's not an intelligence issue because you see very intelligent people yeah. hiding masks and stuff. But uh, yeah. I don't know if it's a location issue or what, you know, what they listen to on the news. But it, it's just interesting because I was like, well, we can meet halfway and we could see the kids. They're like, oh, we'll wear a mask and then they could give us hugs. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. You know, so... It's tough. They haven't seen the kids in almost a year, you know, because they do live in Long Island. So it's been very tough for them. Yeah. You know, it's good that there's video. Yeah. Because we didn't have this a few years ago. They would probably go even crazier. Oh, your parent, your dad could actually uh, understand how to use video chat because my parents don't. No, they, uh, I taught my mom how to answer um, a trademark named process of <laughs> videoing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh and that's what we do yeah yeah you know, it's it's the best we can do with what we have right now my my parents are about 90 minutes away they moved huh well they they live in you know we're in florida uh my wife's parents are close my parents about an hour further south from her parents are about an hour 40 minutes away hour and a half away and uh i haven't seen them we haven't seen them in a long time just because they don't know how, they don't do video chat and um they're just really Nervous, especially my mom being close to the kids. Yeah. Her parents, we come, we were closer with, but you know, it's like, all right, you know, we're we're saying this is what we want to do. If you're going to come close to six feet, that's up to you. But at least they could easily drive over, and we can keep our distance and 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 see each other. Our kids are a different story because they go to school. They go to a, a private daycare, so has like five, six kids there. So. You know, we do what we can. That's the decision. You go, well, do I send them to daycare with five or six kids? They do their best, but they're also kids, you know, so. And they're outside a lot, so. Well, it's just good. Well, in Florida, you have that opportunity. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you send a kid to school with a mask and they come home with another mask because they traded, you know. (laughs) That's a problem. Yeah. Uh, You know, our our oldest child is doing virtual learning, at Mm -hmm. least through Thanksgiving. And the other person, we opted to do kind of home preschool i mean it's only preschool yeah so uh not too worried about it so how's that how's the virtual learning going how's the e-learning going do they do they like it do you think like they're stuck in a chair for too long or well she's eight years old so of course she thinks everything is too long yeah Uh, but she seems to be doing it pretty good um you know i don't even know how to log on to her classroom she shows me which is fine you know that means she knows what she's doing yeah it's been working out so it's an interesting point that you brought up is that because you, you're, that you said that you're a vector. Well, so because every interaction I have yeah. is a potential exposure. I take my precautions wearing masks, gloves, yeah. goggles, head coverings, but you know, nothing is a hundred percent, you know, right. even the N95s people tout about 
they're 99% effective. Yeah. You ever see that movie Hurt Locker? No. No. Well, I mean, it's people who had to defuse bombs and I think this one was in the Middle East and they like get into this gigantic suit, full covering to go defuse a bomb. It's kind of like what I picture. It feels that way. Yeah. Um, because it's different than what used to be normal, which was literally wearing, you know, three yeah. pieces of clothing to work. Yeah. And now I have all these facial accoutrements yeah. that are heavy compared to nothing. So mm-hmm. any chronic conditions people have, it, it, it weighs on you, muscle spasms, muscle mm-hmm. pain, neck pain, like it just adds to it. And I think that's a part of it that people just don't really want to hear. Right. It's kind of like, hey, it's part of your job. It is, you're right. Yeah. But it's, you know, something I didn't have to do before. So now it's changing what's normal for me. Yeah. We don't go to supermarkets. We get everything delivered. Mm -hmm. I spray everything with alcohol. Some people don't, but I spray everything down with isopropyl alcohol before it comes in my house. Mm -hmm. If not, it stays in the garage for five days to, I don't know. You're, I mean, I guess because you both work in medical field, you are actually lured. You're doing even more than we are. And we we said that we're doing really good. Like every once in a while, one of us will go into the supermarket masks, Follow, you know, there's arrows on the floor. There's, you know, little footprints on the ground, yeah. uh, on the floor where to stand. We have food delivered. Uh, we order in a lot. I go out, like last night, I went out and picked some food up for dinner, got the mask on. They're not serving it. I think one table of two people in this restaurant, I went to pick up food. Um, my wife teaches voice lessons. So right now, setting up, she has shields. They come in with masks. They have the face shields. Voice lessons, so it's, you know, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's all about coming out of the mouth. So uh, a lot of protection. And once they leave, everything gets sprayed down. Uh, we don't do the, like when packages come, we don't do, we need to sit them out in the garage for a while. We just go ahead and open them. We wash our hands. But And I'm not saying what I'm doing is right. What I'm saying is what yes. I'm doing is what makes me feel, me and my family feel comfortable. Yeah, of course. So yeah. do I need to do that? Probably not. Yeah. Um, it's probably okay by the time it was packaged and transported. Yeah. It's probably fine. Yeah. But if something happens and someone gets sick, I want to know I did everything I could within my powers. Right. And then I would say, well, I couldn't do any more. So. Um, can I go back? Because uh, when you first got into the medical field, weren't you working with an OB unit or working with delivering babies or help delivering babies? Or was that part of your thing? Well, during my training as the training medicine, it's a four-year program and they kind of put you through the the rigors of you do time on a trauma service, you do time in obstetrics to practice delivering babies, you do practice intensive care medicine, intensive cardiology medicine, and mm-hmm. just make you a well-rounded emergency physician. Mm-hmm. That was probably 15 years ago now. How many years did you go after college? How many years did you go to medical school? So medical school is four years and then your advanced training in your specialty, which is kind of like on the job training. Mm-hmm varies on your specialty some emergency medicine people do three there are some mm-hmm. programs that are four mm-hmm. if you want to be a subspecialized surgeon for example it could be 10 or 12 mm-hmm. um so i you know i went it's it's a big change because you know i went since i was six i went to school until i was 28 mm-hmm. and then to all of a sudden be like wait i have a job now yeah it, it's a big change from schooling um but i don't know i wouldn't go back and do it again no. Well, if you had a choice for another career, because I fantasize about this too, because my career is, is shot right now. It's pretty, you know, it's, um, uh, it's not happening right now because I work in movies and TV shows in New York. So not flying. Right. And the industry is like 90 something percent not happening. Um, and you're bringing up like what you're wearing to work. I'm thinking about like, the whole new flock of like medical shows, what's that all going to look like now? Well, I'm, you know, also thinking of what the new, any new uh, documentaries that come out, are they yeah. going to, you know, I'm not an actor and I know nothing about movies, but I'm sure part of it is facial expressions and seeing the people talk. Yeah. So how do you have a movie or documentary with people wearing masks? Well, that was a lot of the things that were coming into a lot of the, um, discussions are happening and new contracts and revisions of contracts and, and, and what thing, what people want going back into the industry. 
sure, we'll ma- we're all, you know, the crew will wear the mask and everything and we'll follow the zones, everything. But the actors, they can't wear a mask. We're not going to CGI their face back on. It's not going to be like a, one of that Superman thing. You're not going to put the face right. back on. It's going to look weird. So, so their lives are, uh, are, are at stake. Because you do the rehearsals, you do the tech rehearsal, you do how many takes you're going to do. Now, me, as a boom operator, I'm usually either this close to an actor or I could be six feet, eight feet. You know, I, so I can kind of control my distance, but I'm also next to other crew members. So it, it gets into a lot of issues. But I, don't say that you're an actor. I, I used to remember that we used to do little movies many, many years ago. I, I remember petting a skull. Oh, that's right. I remember that. So you and I, let's get back in, let's get into the nostalgia for a little bit. Do you want to? This is, this is your life. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think, I think there was a time near the, hmm, how old were you? You might've been 16 and I had a foam skull Mm -hmm. and I would play, I was, I remember this clearly. I was playing back the sound effect of a baby crying. Yeah. And you're petting a skull. Yeah. And I, and I was just like, all right, I guess this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> I guess this is happening. Oh yeah. That was bizarre. Um, yeah. But we knew each other. You're one of my, like the, you're, I've known one of the people I've, I've known the longest in my life. Yeah. We met through our a mutual friend, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember how he met. I don't know how he met you. Camp camp and then uh yeah and then like as a lot of people grow you know we actually took the initiative to spend time without the mutual friend and then that friendship just grew yeah but yeah i've been to your i don't know if your parents still have that house in the mountains nope i've caught that fish you caught a fish yeah so yeah we i've talked to dan a couple of times and we've had uh reunions with that with that friends group on zoom chats there's a photo of us you and my friend and dan uh in camp together the three of us and we have to be eight years old and i remember scott i remember being in my childhood home and talking to my mom she's she's lying in bed reading a book and i'm on the phone and and uh i think i'm on the phone with you uh or your mom or your your our moms are talking whatever it may be and hang up the phone and i just jump up in joy to my mom never forget this like both hands up i have a new friend and that was you yeah yeah i don't think everyone's ever been that excited yeah that might have been the one of the few times in my life i think that and and then uh be the birth of your child probably getting married actually today is the anniversary of when i proposed to my wife eight years ago our proposed anniversary I proposed to her at Universal Studios. Nice. Yeah. And when I did it, she knew what was happening. She gave me her family rank. She said, you know, you just pick a day. So she knew. But I planned where we're going to go to the Universal Studios. So just like before we started doing anything, we're just kind of like down the walk from the gates to Harry Potter land. And I started doing it. And someone said, give me your camera. Give me your damn camera. And without even thinking, like, they're not going to run away from my camera. It's Universal Studios. But I gave them my camera, and they started taking pictures of us. So I have it all. That's nice. Yeah. So we knew each other from eight years old. And I'd say for about 10 years, we were friends. Yeah. Maybe close to that. Yeah. Until college. Until before we left for college. Yeah. Yeah. Until uh, we became, I don't know, it's, things happen, right? Yeah. With, with friendships. Yeah. People grow different directions grow closer grow apart yeah Um, hormones change yeah you know so i think hormones change what our actions are i think that's what happened yeah and uh and then i you know i went to college at a different location did you go to where'd you go you went to suny new paul's you did go to new paul's that's right yeah um and i went to albany so you know and then when you go back home for the holidays you know your parents want to monopolize your time and so you know but then I think there's a, a certain point, I don't know what age it is, when you start getting nostalgic for your younger years. And then, you you know, it's easier nowadays to catch up with people. Yeah. I was already, I was already, I had to have been maybe 10 years old when I was, started to become nostalgic. <laughs> You're wise beyond your years. <laughs> 
yeah, I thought it was pretty fascinating when there was a time when I was, I, is your mom, does your mom still work at? No, mom and my dad have just retired. Yeah. yeah they haven't moved there. They haven't moved. Long Island, waiting yeah. for them to see the grandkids. Yeah. I don't remember when it was. It might have been, it was, it was early 2000s, maybe, when I saw your mom last, when I went to the office last. Yeah. And uh, she was telling me what you're doing. And that was um, just before I moved. I moved in 2000, actually. So it had to be around 2000 um, when I finally left Long Island to go to Queens. Um, and it's been coming up. That's when I was working at a morning news show for Fox. And uh, so that was my first move to, to Queens in 2000. But uh, there's so much time between the... 10 years, I guess it's 10. I'm saying, I'm thinking 10 years, a decade of being friendship, but it's those 10 years, you can see 10 years just goes like that. But yeah. we, we knew each other through so many big times in a person's time of growth. Yeah. yeah. And for that to still maintain a friendship when all those changes are occurring, I think is pretty impressive. Yeah. Near the end, I have regrets. Uh, I have very few regrets few regrets and one of the regrets was not keeping in touch or letting other bs get in the way yeah but i think that happens with a lot of teenagers yeah you know i think you know it's part of growth it's part of what you feel at that time is important to you um and it feels very important to you yeah like this is more important than that um and then when you look back you're like that was silly yeah um but at that time that you know, that's important to you, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if things are, are able to be done again, would I try to maintain my friendships longer or differently? Maybe some of them. Yeah. Especially that have, you know, with you, um, I think we just started arguing a lot and I don't even remember about what in particular. That's probably about girls. Oh yeah. Well, that age. Sure. Yeah. But that's, that's what I'm saying. And now you're like, well, that was silly. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Um, there was, um, I think Dan, I think Dan will be uh, a guest on the show at some point because, uh, Dan is, uh, works in the Audubon, the Audubon society. So I think that's, that's fascinating. And there was a short story I wrote in college about you're, you're in, it was mostly about me and Dan. And, and I think that will come up when we talk about it, but I think you're in it. Evan, a friend, Evan is in it. And I think someone else is in it. But it was mostly about me and Dan and, and the stupid things I did uh, with our friendship. And it's because of, I think a lot of the times it was just like, we're 16 years old or 17 years old and there's girls around and we want to sow our oats, whatever it may be. And, and you know, that all, that's all gets in the way of friendship and that sucks. Yeah. And you think that this is it. This is the most important part of your life. This is the most intense part. This is what matters. And then, you look back now and you're like, none of that mattered. Yeah. I think it's all good learning experience. I try to take, I try to look at the silver lining on everything. I think it was all good learning experience. And there are times, I don't know if you feel that there are times when I'm about to think of something or say something and a little moment pops into my head from whatever year, because our brains work crazy like that. And that could be from like, there was something I did or, or said or, or something happened when I was 14. And this is going to change what I'm going to do right now. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they're flashbacks. It depends on how much LSD you do. But, you know, I think it's, your brain is literally just a blob of fat and electricity, but somehow it manages to, you know, bring up things from 30 years ago to alter what you do today, which is yeah. pretty impressive. Well, I love the fact that you call our brains fat and electricity. That's it's like a Mr. Good. Wizard thing. Let's put yeah. some fat and electricity together and make a brain. <laughs> I mean, it's what it... It's what it's made out of. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's one of the few things that actually tries to think about itself. So that's interesting. The ego that the brain thinks about itself. Yeah. I don't think, no, you know, the heart doesn't think about the, being a heart. It's just a no. heart. So when you started going, I'm going to go back to what you're doing now. Uh, are you at home now? Yeah. Yeah. So you, and you're in Philadelphia. Yeah. So I went to medical school in New York. Yeah. I did my training here from 02 to 06. Mm -hmm. 
And then I took a job in the area for a couple of years. Then I went to Hershey for a couple of years. Uh, and then I came back to the area. Um, and this is all with my now wife. Um, and she's always been a Philadelphia type of person. So we came back in 2010-ish, 2011-ish. We've mm-hmm. been back since. Uh, I don't eat meat. Do you eat meat or how the, how the steaks? The cheesesteaks? Yeah, they're far south. Um, <laughs> I'm a suburb kind of guy. Yeah. So I try not to go into the city. Yeah. But she loves going to the city and she misses going to the restaurants. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's one of the few places I think it has the most, you know, five-star restaurants per square mile per city. Really? I don't I could have just made that up also. No, you could have made it up. I, I miss our Long Island diners. You know, I miss going, you know. You had the East Meadow Diner. Yeah, the Apollo. The Apollo. The Merrick Diner. Yeah. Go and have hamburgers and french fries, and somehow our bodies were like, this is okay. This is okay. Well, I mean, when I went to college, I would have a shrimp cocktail and coffee, smoking a cigarette, or I'd I'd be in the smoking... I used to smoke cigarettes in college and after, or I'd be in the the smoking area of the cafeteria, and this is how I'd study. I have a cigarette, I have a big sundae, Gigantic ice cream sundae and coffee, and that's how I'd study. Just like going through that, yeah. and it's okay. Yeah, then I'm staying awake. Your body can handle almost anything. It's amazing. I still drink coffee, quit cigarettes a long time ago, and I'm trying to keep vegan. So that's hard. Yeah. Since my wife does a lot of the shopping, cooking, um, just at least right now, um, we don't eat that much red meat, um, but I still eat everything I can. Yeah. And coffee is obviously a must. You have to. So what do you do? So I know if I was to go on a job now, from what I know, like being on a, on a TV show or something that what I'm learning and people are doing is that, you know, masks all day. I did a little, I did something, a little commercial a couple weeks ago here and had to wear a mask, even though I was outside, I had to wear a mask a lot. So how do you take care of yourself? If you, like you said, it's weight, the weight that everything's on you all day and you can't breathe and you can't drink and you have to deal with your metabolism. How do you do it? So it's honestly, it's, it's self-sacrifice, you know, not to be a martyr, but it it is self-sacrifice in a way. So, you know, you, you have to tell yourself that it's okay to take care of yourself in a way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I might have to say, listen, I'm, I'm taking two seconds here and I go and I chug a big cup of water. Yeah. Um, and then I go back to work and, but then I have to pee every two minutes. Um, yeah. so it's, it's kind of a catch 22. I'm like, well, I don't have the time to drink water. So let me chug some water. And then I have to take seven or eight other breaks to pee the water out. I just drank. Right. But you have to make the time to self care because no one else is going to do it for you. Right. Um, you know, and no one else knows what you need. So it's, it's not easy. Um, you know, I drink my coffee on the way to work now. Mm-hmm. So I get to work. I'm hyped up, ready to go. Yeah. Um, I'm dehydrated. Not, I'm dehydrated. I'm banging on all cylinders. I'm firing yeah. out. But within two hours, the coffee wears off. I can't keep my caffeine level up. Yeah. I'm dehydrated. I'm tired. So, uh, yeah, it makes for a tough day. Yeah. You know, and it's hard to catch up the fluids when you get home. Like if I work till 11, I don't want to chug three cups of water because then I won't be able to sleep. Right. I'll be up all night. Yeah. So how long are your shifts? They vary. Eight, 10, 12 hours. Um, And that's taxing, not having a set schedule for your sleeping habits. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I I try not to do night shifts because they knock me out for three days. Um, And you miss a lot. Yeah. The day before, I'm anxious about it, trying to nap. But my body's like, why are you napping? It's a regular day. Right. You then work the night. and you're exhausted. You can't have coffee during your night shift. Mm-hmm. So you're exhausted. Driving home's a danger to yourself and society. You know, mm-hmm. I won't, I won't say that during my training is I fall asleep at stoplights, mm-hmm. you know, yep. you know, and then you get home and you need to eat something and then go to bed, but that's when everyone else is waking up for school. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not a restful sleep. Everyone's in the house making noise. Yeah. And then you don't want to sleep too late because you want to get back to a regular schedule. Right. And then you try to sleep that night, but you can't, because your body's like, no, we were up all night last night. We're doing it again. Yeah. And then the next day you're even crankier. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, and there's studies that show that it's 
working night shifts is just as bad as heart disease. Really? Yeah. For your, for your body. So it's, you know, it, like I said, it's self-sacrifice that people don't know about that you kind of do to help others, regardless of their socioeconomic uh, abilities and their, their, uh, their care plans. I completely understand where you're coming from and uh, not to put um, your essential job up in line, up par with what I do for a living at all. Cause what I do is not, <clears throat> excuse me. What I do is not essential at all. It is. You need entertainment. Otherwise it's there's hard. so much content out there. I just do it because I need a, you know, a good, you know, good paycheck and health insurance. Right. And I, sometimes I enjoy it, but you know, ours, now it's going to be all different because they're talking about limited hours, but typically 12, 14 hour days on the job. Plus you have to get home too and sleep. And there are night shifts and are really early mornings and they don't have a completely set schedule. So there's a lot of things I understand there about how to take care of yourself at the same time. Yes. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I had to take a, a personal hiatus from the industry for about six years um, because it was getting to me. I was also in a, in a go nowhere uh, relationship for a long time, but um, I had to completely pull a 180 and I went into health. I went into personal training and went to yoga for a while just to like, and then I had, and then now I have family and everything I need to support them. The income down here, the work down here, health insurance down here is awful. I had to go back. New York and that's why I went back but the I, I understand about uh, again not to put my my job apart with, with no but you just be, just because your job is different than mine it doesn't mean you you, you can still understand yeah of it I mean you know it still takes a toll on you and you're still working overnight when your body's not expecting to so you know I wouldn't say you know you don't need to preface it by saying you know I'm not doing what you're doing you're right you're not but you're still not sleeping. Still a human. And that gets to everyone's ego and everyone's tension and how you communicate with other people and how to, and how you take care of yourself. And now add a mask to the situation. You can't get the coffee. You can't get the water. You can't take a break. And you can't see people's facial expressions, which is a big part of talking. Yeah. Communication. So it's tough. You know, me at work, I, I've come to realize and I've come to terms with, I'm pretty sarcastic. So without being able to see my face, people don't know I'm being sarcastic, Right. which is, makes it funnier it for me. It, right. Well, you have lovely eyes. So yeah, exactly. That's all that matters. As long as you crease the sides of your eyes, smiling. <laughs> I found out. So, um, but yeah, so it makes it tougher to communicate or, or tougher to communicate comedy or jokes yeah. because uh, people can't see your facial expressions. Well, how do you feel about those masks that you can see through? The, yeah, I've been um, seeing a few of those. I don't, I don't know what they're made out of. I haven't done any research on them. I yeah. mean, as long as their fibers are meshed tight enough, that's fine. But to mesh them tight enough, I don't think they could be see-through mm -hmm. unless the fibers themselves are clear. So I, I, I don't know. But it's important for deaf people. It's important for yeah. people that need to use facial expressions or it's important for people that deal with children. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I wonder if, because all it's, now I'm seeing we're seeing all these commercials with masks, which is a weird, dystopian future, yeah. you know, with people wearing masks and commercials. But I, there's got to be somewhere someone creating a technology where uh, there's something on a mask. If it's if it's not our own face, but something that allows people to communicate better with the mask, either. Uh, you speak a sign language. I mean, that's uh, that's all up the hands, but that's also, you know, you want to see people's lips. So yeah. something, another video screen in front of the, the face. I don't know. Crazy thing. Come up with it and then you don't have to travel and you'll be sitting on millions. Yeah. Yeah. I would travel for work one to three round trips a month from here to New York. I don't know what's, it's not going to happen like that anymore. You know. I mean, people are still traveling and... Yeah. It just seems scary because of the recirculation of air, the proximity to other people. And you don't know how that other person is taking or not taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, people, most people don't wear masks properly to begin with. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just scary. Like I have no desire to fly anywhere. Yeah. Just due to, well, I don't like to travel, but just due to the fears of people. Like when you work in an 
any industry with people, you work in an industry with people. I work, I see people every day. You see the bell curve of people. There are fantastic people. There are horrible people. But most people, they just, they just don't, they do things their way, even if it's incorrect. Mm-hmm. And it's, people do not like to be educated if they're incorrect, especially, mm-hmm. you know, after whatever, maybe after 30, I don't know. I just picked a number, but don't, including me, you know, when people say, oh, we looked at your chart, you know, you could have done this differently. I just immediately become defensive. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. but, you know, if you have someone who is not used to being told what or how to do something and now they are, they're going to be very resistant to it and maybe even flip to the other side and do what they want anyway, even if it's more dangerous. Yeah. But I agree with you with that. Uh, if someone points something out that you thought was completely right and is wrong, of course, the first thing you want to do is defend yourself. My wife catches me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's just a natural reaction to protect yourself, your your own sense of who you are, what you are, your self-being in a way. Yeah. But I think it's normal. Yeah. How would you define normal? So I, I think I would have to ask a couple more questions from what do you mean? So do you mean from a medical point of view, from my life point of view, or just in general? That's great. That's a great three-part question. Yeah. That's the first time that someone's returned my question with a three-parter. <laughs> well, Actually, so, I've had a two-parter. I've had a, this is a three-parter now. Okay. Yeah. Well, it comes with the letters. <laughs> so there is no more normal. I don't think there there was acceptability, which people call normal. Mm-hmm. So it was acceptable to go in your car, put your seatbelt on, go drive to work, come home. That was what people call normal. But I think that's just what people's habits are and what they did. Um, you know. I think everyone thinks that they're abnormal. Everyone thinks they're weird, mm-hmm. but I, they're not because everyone's thinking that. So if everyone's right. thinking that, it's not abnormal. Right. Um, but I think part of the the neurological part of the electrical blob of fat in our head makes us think that it's abnormal, and that I don't know why, and I have no desire to find out why. Um, so what's normal is kind of what works for you and your family. That is not egregiously considered against the laws of society or the social mores. That's normal. That's my definition of it. Like, is it normal for me to have a Mohawk as a professional? No, it's not. (laughs) But is it hurting anyone? No. Is it against the law? No. Is it detrimental to anyone? No. So it is, it is normal, Mm -hmm. you know, and from a medical point of view, it's now normal to wear a mask at work. It is, it's now abnormal to not wear a mask at work. Right. And it's going to be that way for the next five to four to five years, I think. You think so? Until a proven vaccine has been proven to work and people have shown that you can't get reinfected, mm-hmm. um, people are going to just wear masks because they, for their own safety. And even after that, I think people are still going to just wear masks because it's, that's going to be the way the bell curves kind of swings for habit. So that'll be the new normal for medicine, I think. So you think this is going to last another four to five years? So my opinion is opinion. they're going to push out a vaccine quicker than they should. They're not going to do all the testing. People are going to have side effects. So then they're going to pull it back a little bit. And unluckily or luckily, I'll be one of the first to get it because I work on a front line. Mm-hmm. Um, so increased risk of side effects or something they just push out. Um, and then they'll have to pull it back. And then they'll probably come out with another one. It'll work. But your immune response to it, people that have had SARS-CoV-2 before and have had antibodies to it, they've gotten it again. Mm. So it's not like vaccines. Like vaccines, you get a, a reaction, uh, your body reacts to it, and you can't get that virus again, like your measles. Mm-hmm. You're immune to it. This, if there's no immunity, even after you get it, then there's no use for a vaccine. hmm because your body's still going to get sick from it. So I think people are going to wear masks regardless of vaccine, mm-hmm. or I probably th- think they should. So I think it's going to be the new normal for an extended period of time. And now, okay, I have, a, I have two questions now. So you're um, answering your one question to my three-parter with a two-parter. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Right. Okay. We can go back and forth. It's, all, it's like double-handed ping-pong kind of thing. Um, so... Your personal normal, 
Scott's normal. You have the medical normal, you have the family normal. How do you feel? Is there more words you're going to say? Uh, maybe. How do I uh, feel? Like, so how do you, like, how do you, you said that, okay, being weird and abnormal, if everyone's abnormal, right. everyone's weird, we're normal. Um, but you, up until now, growing up, if you take away the, the medical, if you take away the situation, take it just you as, as a person, and I know it's kind of deep. Let's, let's dive into that, that electronic, that blob of fat with electricity. Um, how do you feel how the words normal or weird or you as a person um, kind of uh, swam the, the river of life to get here? You know, how did you, do you feel that was where you thought it would be? Do you feel that was a normal way of being? So I think it comes from your upbringing, from your parents. Right. Um, you know. I, I talked to your mom. She asked me to ask this question. Of course. Because <laughs> I don't talk to her enough. You could ask her. She's a, she's a Jewish mother. I don't call her enough. Um, yeah, me too. You know, so, you know, did I have a normal upbringing? Yeah. You know, typical Long Island Jewish boy yeah. does good, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. You know, but there were intricacies that made me feel abnormal at points, yeah. um, which were probably normal for other people, but no one talks about them. You know, you know, was I good enough at what I did or what I do? Could I have done more, you know, related to say academics? Um, you know, you know, why? There's a lot of deep questions we could get into, you know. Sure. You know, I was a late bloomer when it came to romance you know mm -hmm. um, so and the question to that is well why was that normal well based on society it was abnormal just by calling it late that means i was late well late bloom into finding your wife no i think just romance in general yeah just dating and dating yeah. and stuff like that you know so calling it a late bloomer means i was late to well who made the definition of what time right someone did so you know I was a late bloomer in that. That was probably one of the things that I feel that I was abnormal with. Mm -hmm. But when you look back, you go, that really doesn't matter now. Mm -hmm. If I, quote, started two or three years earlier, I'm still where I am today. Right. You know, so it, it's these arbitrary definitions that make people feel abnormal. Exactly. Right. I think just because of the field I work in, I've come to realize that most of the reason is probably due to money. You know, you want to feel good about yourself. You you need a good night's sleep. Buy this product. You know, mm -hmm. your skin looks different. You probably should buy this product, and it'll clear up that acne. You want to look normal. Right. You know, so right. I I think it's just arbitrary definitions. But do I feel that I had a normal upbringing? Yeah, I mean, my family. I think like every family has skeletons, and I think that's normal in a way because I think every family has them. Yeah. Um, but people don't talk about them. Mm -hmm. Well, you brought up the funny thing you brought up with the commercials and, and uh, products. Isn't the United States the only country that has commercials for medicine? I believe it is. And it's one of the fleeting few that, you know, has insurance companies that's not federally regulated. Right. You know, because if you think about getting rid of all those people's jobs, all those CEOs that make millions, all the people that work for the insurance companies, all those people would lose jobs or yeah. not make as much. Yeah. And to be a hundred percent based on capitalism, that's, you know, that goes against everything Americans believe in. So people will lose millions, even though the amount of money it costs to have universal health care would save the U the U S billions of dollars. Right. But, uh, you know, but that will take money out of a, a couple of million or billions out of, you know, I'm, I'm spitballing 30 people's pocket mm -hmm. and they won't allow it to happen. Right. You know, that's great, man. Thank you so much for doing that, for answering those questions. I think, well, I was trying to remember the second part. It's a two-parter. Uh, <laughs> just blew your mind. <laughs> you blew my mind. And it's interesting, you know, whatever, if you want to keep this on or off the record, I don't care. Yeah. Um, this started before the pandemic. I was like, I think everyone has aspirations and goals that are different. And I was on a trajectory to do medicine. Just, I think I just was. But I, I started to write some stand-up stuff. Hmm. And uh, I, I, I was writing, I just kept writing it. And I'm trying to write enough to have 
I don't know, 10, 20 minutes to, and then get the courage to do, do an open mic. Mm -hmm. But then the pandemic happened. Uh, but I wrote some stand up stuff. That's amazing. Uh, what you could do uh, just to get up on stage, just to get in front of people, you know, that's like one of the, the biggest fears, right? Is the public yeah. speaking. Um, you have opportunities. You could record yourself, put it on YouTube. You could do a Facebook Live. You could do an Instagram Live. You have so many other ways yeah. to, to just like try it out. There's so much nuance to stand up. Yeah. The timing and the feedback from the audience. And, and when to take a pause or honestly yeah. changing one word. Yeah. That I don't have the understanding of that type of depth to stand mm -hmm. up at all. Mm. Um, but it was interesting. I started doing that. That's interesting. I, I have two friends who've, who've done stand-up and, uh, actually I've, I've talked to them on the show. Um, and I've always been fascinated with stand-up comedy. I never think I could do it myself, but I've learned recently that I'm, I'm pretty fun to get behind a mic in front of a, of a crowd, but not doing stand-up, but just like getting the crowd rolled up. Um, but there's a lot of fascinating books to read and movies to watch about stand-up, I could recommend, it became a mini-series, which I didn't watch, but it's called I'm Dying Up Here, and a uh, very, very cool book about the dawn of stand-up comedy with the comedy store in LA, just to like, just to learn about like the, the past, the yeah. background of it. But just getting up, you talk to people, as a doctor, you're in front of, you have people following you around, you have to talk to people about very personal, intimate things, very important things, you know, about people's lives and health, crises, all these things to one person, to a group of people. So your public speaking aspect, you're not on the stage, but you're on some kind of platform in a way because they were yeah. looking up to you. I don't think I'd be worried about the public speaking part. Yeah. I'd just be worried about like the blank stares when I'm like, no, it says to pause here for laughter. What, what, what do I do? But I, surprisingly, I, 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 get, I, I got into painting also. Oh. Um, and I have my wife to thank for that. Yeah. Like, it's got to be five years ago now. She took me to like painting with a twist. You have some wine, you paint. Yeah. And I was like, eh, this is okay. Let me try it on my own. And um, honestly, I don't think I'm very good at many things outside of medicine. But it turned out, I think I'm actually pretty good at it, uh, yeah. which is nice. So I, that's what I kind of do to like stress relief when I can. That's amazing. That's um, art therapy. And that's fantastic. My wife was doing that for a while. She, even though I have like an art background, I never painted. I never really drew. I drew, but it was more uh, literal stuff, you know, figures. Uh, but because of her influence, uh, influenced me to start drawing more, not painting, but drawing. She does watercolor and my kids start drawing more. I got one of her, my first tattoo. I don't know if you kind of see one little piece of it, yeah. um, of, a, of a bird that she made of watercolor is my first tattoo. Art is a beautiful therapy to do. And, and if it's without any, if you don't edit yourself while doing it or judge yourself and you just let it all come out, I'd love to see what you've done, if, I, if you can show me. Yeah, I'll send you a link to the website. Oh, you have a website? Awesome. Yeah, because it's interesting. The first night I painted at home, it was like 8 o'clock, and I didn't, before I knew it, it was 11 p.m. I was like, wow. And then I could not sleep for three hours, and I was mm. trying to figure out why. And I was like, ah, my fat blob. I'm using a different side <laughs> of my brain. You keep calling your brain your fat blob. That's hysterical. Okay. No, I'm using a different part of my brain that I probably – haven't or never used right so my body was all jazzed up yeah, yeah. it was interesting yeah it was like the uh electrons were firing yeah and my blood. first tattoo is of my daughter made a drawing when she was five so i don't know if you can see yeah i thought about getting uh, tattoos in my kids art but i'm not because especially my older girl she's uh, so impressive with what she can do with art but i just have not not finalized something yet with one of her art, but that's that's beautiful. You've done that. It's funny, but it's my five year old. I go, Oh, can you write your name in a flower and I'll put it on my other shoulder? Yeah. And she's like, No. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I, I can't force you to do it. Yeah. That's like my, my young girl. Yeah. Hey, you want to do this? No. Or I'm going to make a scribble. Here's a scribble. And it's you and this and this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see that. 
I just tell them it's not fridge worthy and to try again. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you're okay. That's good. Be I'm sure, honest. I'm sure that's not going to affect them in the future at all. <laughs> right. Um, I want to thank you for, uh, you're the first one of our whole group from back then to, uh, everyone keeps asking, where's Scott? Where's Scott? Let's get him into our zoom talks, you know, and uh, I'm the first one to, to talk with you. So the first one I was, first couple I think I was working for. And then I was just honestly nervous. Hmm. I was scared just to see people that I haven't seen in, or talked to in 15, 20 years. Yeah. It, it was scary to me. And honestly, the, that's the reason I was just scared. Huh. So I was like, it's easy to not go to something. Yeah. Uh, to tell you the truth, everyone looks the same pretty much. It's hard to have a Zoom talk and reunite with people when there's like six people on the screen or more and you're trying to get a word in. So a lot of it was just me like, mm-hmm, you know, nodding and, and drinking whatever I was drinking. Yeah, I'd rather like get into the you know, nitty gritty of, of people's lives. One of the many inspirations behind me wanting to do my podcast were the Zoom talks. Like I just want, I just want to have one-on-ones. Yeah. So is there anything you want to... Anything that's in your your fat blob, is that what you call? Sure. <laughs> your, your fat your fat blob of electricity. Uh, this might be the title of the show of the episode. That's fine. The fat blob of electricity that you want to share. You want to say about uh, normal, the norm, your normal, um, reuniting on on a podcast. If someone is saying that you're abnormal. That means you're probably doing something right. Um, and there is no normal. It's just what is socially considered acceptable. And the normal obviously is a continuum and a spectrum because there's a new normal now. Mm-hmm. And just being outside or in a group um, or at a job place. So normal changes with the times. And like I said, if you're, if someone thinks you're abnormal, that means you're doing something right. Cause it means you're, you're going out on a limb. Mm, I like that. Just want to say thank you so much for taking your time out and reuniting, having a reunion with me on my podcast. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It was enjoyable. What a wonderful man. Dr. Scott is also a hero. So let's, Just applaud them, those men and women out there on the front line, being vectors, as Scott say, taking care of everyone's health and witnessing this current situation firsthand. He's a hero. Uh, He really brought up a lot of interesting factoids about our current situation. This is the new normal. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, took something out of it whether it be good or bad or indifference to it, this is it. This is the new normal. Let's settle in. And uh, if you have any thoughts or comments, questions, etc., please hit me up on all these social media links. Please enjoy your day. Please stay safe out there. Please take care of yourself. Do what you can and have a great day. Thank you for listening.